Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan. I'm the pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I'm really glad you made it today. Hey, for those of you that regularly come to church here, what you think about the expanded foyer this morning, huh? Isn't that really cool? That's right. And next week, this part will be open, so we'll have about 200 more seats in this room, so that is going to be incredible. And then two weeks from this morning, we will have our grand opening of all of our buildings, our youth building, our children's building, the foyer, this room, all of it at our grand opening on the 16th. That is going to be an awesome day. I am so excited about it. That's going to be great. Um, when I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store for three years. Um, started out as a bag boy, and uh, after three promotions, I was actually offered a fourth promotion. Um, and that promotion was to be an assistant store manager. I know, it was huge for me. Um, uh, I, was ju- I just graduated from high-, high school about a month earlier, and I was two months away from uh, attending college at Baylor. And... Um, now, what they did, what, now up until that point, I'd actually just been like an hourly wage kid, right? But this new position they were offering me was going to be a salaried position. And in today's dollars, that was going to be just over $60,000 a year. I mean, that's a huge pile of cash, right? And I, I, I was blown away. But the only stipulation was is that I had to stay with the company for two years at that store, minimum. So, you know, I went home and I told my dad about it. And um, Now, I had already, at this point in time in my life, I'd already made a commitment that I was going to be a pastor. I mean, I already made that commitment to God. So I went home and told my dad about it, because I told my dad, I was like, hey, dad, I mean, check it out. Uh, if, If I was to work at the grocery store for two years, you know, and bank all that money, man, I'd be set. But my dad strongly advised me against that. And he said, look, Mike, God has called you to do something for him. And he wants to use you to change other people's lives. And while working at a grocery store, nothing wrong with that, it will not put you farther down God's path. It won't advance God's path in your life. It will only delay God's plans for your life. And yes, there will be more money and that would be nice. And he said, but there's a lot more at stake here than just money. What's at stake here is your ability and and future of following God's path. Because the danger is, is that if you temporarily get off God's path, you might not ever get on it. Because there'll always be, oh, well, let's, I, I just need to work one more year. Or if I could just bank one more year's worth of salary. Or if I could just, you know, just a little bit longer and just delay, 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 delay. 
You know, and I thought about it. You know what? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with working at a grocery store. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But I realized that it would delay me following God. And there was the very real danger I might not ever get back on that path. And so after listening to my dad, I turned it down. I just turned it down. And I tell you that story because more than anything, I think the evil one would want to get us off of God's path in our life. Certainly temporarily, if not permanently. And I think he would stop at nothing. He would do everything he can to get us to pursue a good path in life and not God's path in life. But if we will listen to our heavenly father, like I listen to my earthly father, then we can stay on God's path in this life. Well, okay. Well, how do I know if I'm even on God's path in life? I mean, how do I even know that? Well, thankfully, there is one indicator that lets us know for sure if we are on God's path. There is one indicator that if it is present, that we can be sure, absolutely sure, that we are following God's path in life. And this one indicator spells defeat for him and victory for him. And the devil, more than anything, would like to get us to not focus on this one indicator. Because if we did, and we were laser focused on it, then we would stay on God's path throughout all of life. And this one indicator is a changed life. The one indicator is a changed life. Whether it's our life, or whether it's the lives that God is changing through us, the one indicator that shows that we are on God's path is a changed life. And that's not just my idea. I mean, that's what the Bible teaches. Because there was a time in the Bible when God's people weren't sure whether they were on God's path or not. Christianity, when it first started, the first wave of believers were all Jews. All of them. And a lot of them weren't really, a lot of Jews at that time weren't really sure that Jesus was the true Messiah. I mean, some were convinced that he was, some were convinced that he wasn't, but there was a whole huge group of people that just weren't sure if Jesus was the Messiah, and that if they followed him, that they were, were they really on God's path, or were they on a path that was going to lead them astray? So the writer of the book of Hebrews, throughout the entire book, he lays out all the reasons why Jesus is the one true Messiah. And one of the key indicators that he uses to prove that Jesus is the Messiah is the evidence of a changed life. Because when a changed life is present, whether it's our lives or somebody else's life, that God is changing through us, then that is an indicator that we are on God's path in life. Okay? Now, with the construction of our new buildings, our new kids building and youth building, the expansion of this room and all that kind of thing, I think the devil would like more than anything for us to get our eyes off of God's path and on just good things that are happening. I mean, it's a good thing that we're opening these buildings. But he would get our, he would, the devil would want us to get our eyes on just opening these buildings and oh, how great that's going to be and how much more room that's going to give us and how much our kids are going to love it, how much our kid, grandkids are going to enjoy it, about how much more uh, easy and convenient it's going to make everything for all of us. When God says, no, 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 no. 
I don't want you to focus on the buildings. I want you to focus on the lives that will be changed in the buildings. Because, look, we don't want to leave a legacy of buildings that we built. We want to leave a legacy of lives that are changed in the buildings that we have built. That's the point. That's what God is saying here. And if we can keep our eyes on that one indicator, then we are on God's path. So that begs the question. Go ahead and pull out your worship notes, your bulletin notes. How can I build a legacy of changed lives? How can I do that? Well, first way to do that is this. Number one, live by faith. Really. Live by faith. I mean, really. The author of the book of Hebrews opens chapter 11 with giving us a definition of faith. Here's what he says. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, let me kind of rephrase this definition of faith in more modern terms that follow along with it saying. Bottom line is this. Faith is this. Faith starts with believing that God exists, but includes believing that God will do what he says he will do without any evidence to support that claim. Faith starts with believing that God exists, but includes believing that God will do what he says he will do without any evidence to support that claim. Let me give you an example. The mission of Parkway Fellowship is to reach the lost at any cost and grow them to maturity. And if you've been to our class 101, our membership class, then you've heard me tell the story about Parkway Fellowship's beginning and how God has said that he wants to use this church to reach out to 10% of our community on a regular basis. But I want to tell you what. In the early days of Parkway Fellowship, there was no evidence to support that claim. None. In fact, the very first day of Parkway Fellowship was opened, um, we had 181 people come to our very first service. And man, we were pumped. I mean, I was excited. I was like, man, this is a great start. 181 people, first time out the gate. And I preached such a powerful, driven, honoring, God-honoring sermon that next week we had 24 people come back. <laughs> and that included me, the band, and all the people working in the children's ministry. I mean, I don't know why. There's like eight people sitting out there in the room. I was so glad when the band came down because the size of the crowd doubled. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, and I'd say, I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, we cannot do this too many more weeks. Something's got to get better. It's probably me. <laughs> but listen, because of the faith of that little band of people that started Parkway Fellowship and the faith of everybody that has joined the church since then, I'm telling you, God is well on the way to changing the lives of 10% of our community every single week. In fact, last Sunday, we had 1,931 people come to church here on Sunday morning. 1,931. Now check it out. If you do the math, there's about just, just over 200,000 people that live in our area. So if you do the math, Almost 1% of our entire community came to church here last week. Almost 1%. That means almost one out of every 100 people that live in our area came to church here last Sunday morning. That's incredible. That's unbelievable. I mean, it's incredible. 
Look, unless you think it's all about numbers, it's not. And I think that's one of the reasons why God has blessed Parkway Fellowship and continues to move here, because it's not all about the numbers. Because behind every number is a person. Behind every number is, a, is an individual that Jesus Christ died for. Behind every number is a name, a child, a teenager, a single mom, a hardworking dad, a grandparent. Behind every, every number is a life that, um, that is looking to find Christ. Every, behind every number is someone who wants to find answers to real questions in this life. Someone who wants to be changed. Someone who wants to grow closer to God. Someone that wants their heart to burn after him a little bit, little bit brighter and a little bit harder. Behind every number is someone who wants to grow in their faith. Behind every number is someone who was lost and is now found. Behind every number is someone who wants to grow their life towards spiritual maturity. That is what God is after because behind every number is a changed life. That's what it's about. So let me ask you. Do you live by faith? Do you live by faith? Really? I mean, do you believe that what God says he's going to do, he's going to do? Do you believe that what is written in this book is for you and not just for everybody else? Do you really believe this to be true to the point where you're willing to read it and follow it to a T? That's living by faith, really. And when we do that, we take that first big step or another huge step in letting God change our lives and putting us in a position where he would change other lives through us. So would you make a commitment to take God at his word and trust him even if there's no evidence to support the claim? Would you make that kind of a commitment? There's a second thing that we need to do if we're going to live by faith, and that's this. I need to look at the history of what God's done in my life and in the lives of others. I need to look at the history of what God has done in my life and in the lives of others. Now, this is my favorite part of Hebrews chapter 11. Honestly, anybody who knows the Bible, it's probably their part, favorite part too. And I wish I had the room to print all of the verses, but uh, we just simply didn't have room in the bullet to print verses 4 through 31 in their entirety. So I shortened them up a little bit. So you can kind of get a feel for what the author is really saying here. So verse 4, it says this. It says, By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive by his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. And each of those sons became the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel, a foreshadowing of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. By faith, 
Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea uh, as on dry land. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed spies, was not killed. Look, here is the point. You know, and you ought to write this down somewhere. I should have made it a feeling, but I didn't. You ought to write it down. When you see what God has done through other people, when you see what God has done through other people's faith, it encourages your faith. Let me repeat it. When you see what God has done through other people's faith, it encourages your faith. That's the point that the author of Hebrews is getting here. Looking at what God has done in the past encourages you about the future. When you hear the stories about how God has changed the lives of other people, I mean, doesn't that encourage you to want to change your life more? Let me tell you a couple of true stories about people in our own church. Honestly, when, they think about, when I think about it, I mean, it encourages my faith. <clears throat> One story is about my neighbor. His name is Sean Murphy. Awesome guy. Um, he and I met uh, uh, we're, uh, like two days after I moved into my house uh, here in the area. And... Um, you know, we were talking, and you know, it turns out Sean and his family, they hadn't been going to church anywhere. I mean, they'd been to church before, but they really weren't going to church anywhere. It'd been a very long time. So I started inviting them to come to church. Listen to this. After a year of inviting him to come, one day I'm talking to him in, our, in his front yard, and he says, oh, hey, Mike, I got a surprise for you. I said, what? He goes, we're coming to church tomorrow. I was like... That's awesome. I was really psyched. Okay, so sure enough, they came. Fast forward the clock. A year later now, I'm telling you, Sean has allowed God to change his life. I mean, he's going to small group. He and his family are here every single week. I mean, he's, he's doing the things it takes to start growing in his faith. In fact, at small group one night, his wife came up to me and she said, hey, Mike, you're not going to believe it. I said, what? I said, she said, Sean's invited someone at his work to come to church. And she was like, he's never invited anyone to church ever. He's turning into you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of my neighbors. I mean, honestly, as I think about their lives a year ago compared to today, I'm telling you, man, God is doing so much in them, and I'm so proud of them. And see, it's when, sometimes it's when you look back at how you used to be and you compare it to how you are now, that's when you, you can see how much God's done. Let me tell you another story. Um, guy in our church, his name is Tony Gambone. Some of you might know Tony. He's a man, he's an awesome guy. Anyway, <clears throat> apparently he's a Katie Tiger fan also. Um, but Tony uh, caught me. On the first day he came out in the foyer, uh, he caught me in the foyer before he walked into service. He found out, he realized I was the pastor. He came to me and said, you're not going to ask me, me for any money today now, are you? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, no, no. And so anyway, um, <clears throat> I found out later on that Tony was a former casino manager in Vegas. And he lived his life far from God for a long time. Well, at Easter, a couple months later at Easter in 2010... In this service, he became a Christ follower. And I'm telling you, God has revolutionized his life. 
He has a weekly radio program that he hosts. He regularly talks to people on the radio program as well as just people that he knows. He regularly talks about how God has changed his life, about the things that God is teaching, about the things that God is showing, about the things that he's learning. He even uses his radio program to regularly invite his listeners to come to church. I mean, now that is someone who's showing evidence of a changed life in just two years. I mean, it's incredible when I think about that. And don't stories like Sean and Tony, when you hear that, kind of, doesn't that stuff encourage you? Doesn't that make you just go, yeah, love it. That's awesome. I mean, it, it makes you so pumped and excited when you see what God's doing in the lives of others about what God would do in your life. So let me ask you, have you allowed God to change your life? Have you allowed God to change your life? Think about how your life was a year ago. How your life was five years ago. How have you changed since then for God and for what he's done in your life? See, sometimes it's when you look back over a period of time, that's when you can really see the change. And that's what the writer of the book of Hebrews is getting at. I mean, he was writing to his people. He's like, hey, hey, check it out. Look, at, look through the whole history of our nation. Look back over the centuries. Look at how all these people have lived by faith. And so now you ought to do the same. And that's what he's saying to us too. He's saying, hey, look, look back over your life. Look back over the history of your life. Look at the last year. Look at the last five years. Because sometimes when you're taking little baby steps, you can't see the progress. But if you look back over your life long enough, you realize that all those baby steps can take you a long way down the road. That's what he's getting at. So now if you're sitting here and you realize, you know what, my life hasn't changed all that much, then maybe would you think about allowing God into your life in a bigger way? Would you think about, would you begin to make some baby steps towards the changes that he wants you to make? Would you start that today so that a year from now, five years from now, you can look back and have a totally different answer? That's what's gonna, now, this whole chapter is building towards a crescendo, okay? And the crescendo starts in the second half of verse 35. I want you to look at it. Go ahead and pull it, go ahead and look at your message notes. Because he's gone through all these famous characters of the Bible and you can read all those stories But now he shifts into verse 35. He says, others were tortured and refused to be released. Would you circle the word others? We're going to come back to it in a second. Circle the word others. Others were tortured and refused to be released. Some faced jeers and flogging, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. Now look at this passage closely. Unlike the rest of the chapter, there's not a single person called by name. They're simply referred to as others, okay? Now, I want you to underline all of verse 38, the last verse. Underline all of verse 38. Because what does it say about these others? The world was not worthy worthy of them the world was not worthy of them look 
the Bible has already been written, okay? And since it's already been written, our names will never be written down here recounting how we lived our lives by faith in Jesus Christ. Our names will never be there. But we can still be counted among the others. That could still be us. They followed Christ. They lived changed lives. And the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. And see, Parkway Fellowship has never been about numbers. And we've never been about buildings. God has never been about numbers for the sake of numbers, and God is not impressed by buildings. Okay, let me just tell you that. Instead, he's all about changed lives, our changed lives, the lives that God wants to change through you and through me. That's what he's all about. And when we focus on changed lives, that is when we, that is when we are solely focused on that one key indicator that will keep us on God's path in life. When we focus on changed lives, just like the Bible focuses on changed lives, that's when we will leave the right kind of legacy. We can leave a legacy of changed lives, both ours and all of the lives that we affect, all of the ones that come behind us. And when we do that, we can be numbered among the others. And we can live the kind of life that the Bible says, the world is not worthy of them. That is the kind of legacy that we're to build. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. I want you to make the commitments that God is inspiring you to make this morning. And I want you to write them on the card, but I also want you to record them on your sermon notes because you're going to take those home. You're going to turn this in. But you're going to take your notes home. Maybe it's this first next step. When I doubt, when I doubt, I will say out loud, God, I believe you are going to do what you say you are going to do. Man, what a great reminder of that. And how do you know what God's going to do? And what he says he's going to do? You got to read this. And so maybe for you it starts by saying, you know what, I'm going to be more committed to reading this. So I can find out what God says he's going to do. Okay? But when you doubt, say that out loud. Here's the next one. I will compare my life now to one year ago and five years ago. Maybe you can do that even in your seat. But sit down and take some time to say, okay, you know what? What was I like a year ago? What was I like five years ago? It'll encourage you, I promise you. Number three. I will pray every day this week. That God will change lives in our new buildings. Don't just spend time thanking God for our new buildings and how great it's going to be. But spend some time saying, God, change the lives of people that will come into these new buildings. That's what I want to pray for. Would you pray it every day this week? One week. This next one. I will invite 10 people this week to the grand opening on the 16th in hopes that God will change their lives. Look, in your seat is a little pack of 10 invite cards. Would you make it a point this week to pass out all 10 of these cards to neighbors, coworkers, maybe your waiter at the restaurant today, um, the person at your drive through I mean, I handed one yesterday to the, um, to the pharmacist at the drive through window at the CVS. I handed it to her and said, hey, I'd love to invite you. We're having a grand opening next week, or in two weeks. I want to invite you to come to church. 
And she took it, she said, you know what? Strangely enough, me and my family, we just moved here and we're just looking for a church. I said, well, I'd love to have you come. I mean, you never know what God's gonna do. So use these cards. I'm telling you, it's so amazing. How about this next one? I wanna become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, you can't put your faith in God until you first put your faith in him to forgive you for all of your sins. I mean, that's where faith starts. Faith starts by believing that he exists and becoming a Christ follower. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to first forgive you and then pledge to follow him from this day forward, that's what being a Christ follower is, that you're not a, not a Christian yet, you're not a Christ follower yet, but you can become one today. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. Pray that prayer right where you sit, right now. But make sure you check it here on this box because I want to mail you some free stuff in the mail to help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet they're on a table just before you walk outside of each of the doors. Grab a new believer packet on your way out today. How about this next one? Sign me up to be in a small group this fall, starting the week of 916. There's a small groups catalog in your bullet this morning. If you haven't signed up for a small group yet, you need to write the code in that blank. Now, last week was the first week of small group signups, okay? You're not going to believe this, but it is absolutely true. Last week, last Sunday in the service, we had 909 people sign up for a small group. 909. That's a one-day record. So it's not like you'll be the only one there. So make sure that you sign up for a small group. And here, number two, or the last one, sign my child or teen up for a small group this fall, starting on 912. And what we need to do is we need to write the name or names of your kids and then write the code by their name of the small group that you're signing them up for because the kids have special codes for theirs. It's all in your catalog. So you do that right now. I'm going to ask Pat, the worship team, to come back up. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for every life in this room that's already been changed. Yeah, just like you changed Sean's life and Tony's life, you've changed the lives of hundreds of other people in this room. I could have told all their stories. We could have been here all day. And it would have been exciting. So, Lord, I ask that you would continue to change our lives, mine included, And those that have been far from you, God, I ask that you would reach out to them this morning and help them decide to change. And that you would encourage our faith by seeing all that you're doing in other people and all that you're doing in us and all that you want to do through us. And help us to leave a legacy numbered among the others. A legacy that you would say about us the world is not worthy of them. I'd ask you to do it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282.